0: Now, live from the Blind Ninja Studios in Western Wisconsin, a show with no purpose. Hosted by experts at drinking, and they're almost definitely wearing pants. It's time for the Department of Offense. Welcome to episode 133 of the Department of Offense. I'm your host, Casey. Joining me as always is Carlo Right over here. And Matt. Oh, howdy. And nobody else, Rick. That's right. That's a call out because Rick said he was going to be here and he's not.
1: Because we're not tired from camping either, right? No,
0: (laughs) I'm never tired from camping. I'm rejuvenated and excited and I didn't have to poop a whole bunch when I got back. (laughs) Why, did you eat a block of cheese? No, Carlos, I did not eat a block of cheese. (laughs) We did eat slug cheese, though. What?
1: Yeah. We did eat slug cheese. We ate slug
0: cheese. Slug cheese. cheese. Well, so what do you like? Ground up uh, slugs in your cheese? We 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 have to start at the beginning. So, the first night we're there, we're having a good time, right? We eat some we eat some sandwiches, we drink some beers, and then we go to bed. And about in the middle of the night, we hear rustle, 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 thump, crunch, 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 rustle, rustle, rustle. And we're like, ah, we all figured we all figured it was somebody else. I was asleep. Okay, I I thought it was Pete. Pete thought it was you. So, and we're all in different tents, and we don't really know what's going on. So yeah. we just kind of ignore it. And then in the morning, we we wake up, and there's sandwich shit strewn all over the place. There's chips eaten and gone. That was our first meet run-in with Charlie. Charlie's an asshole. Is he a bear? No, Charlie's a raccoon. Ah. So
1: then... I swear that first night, though, Peter probably didn't latch at all. Oh, yeah, close. no, no,
0: no. So uh, so Pete didn't, like, close he the He was the last to grab sandwiches. The, the whole way, so Charlie got at the sandwiches. So, so Pete
2: screwed you guys over, then. Yes. He
0: but, swears he didn't. But Charlie only ate, like, ten sandwiches. So he still had a bunch of sandwiches <laughs> left. ten sandwiches.
1: <laughs> and then, yeah, there was some, like, clod in there. I'm like, all right, I'll just throw these yeah, away. yep and no one else wanted to eat the sandwiches. Yeah, no, that,
0: then nobody else wanted to eat sandwiches. So that was they, sandwiches were afraid they were more sandwiches for gonna us. Rabies, so Matt and I ate the rest of the sandwiches.
1: I had like four of them when we got back to oh, the beach. It was
0: great. I I would just grab a sandwich every once in a mm-hmm. while and munch on it. It was pretty great. So, the next night we're uh we we uh Charlie had eaten a bag of Doritos that day at, at that some point while well, we were gone. <laughs> yeah, no, so like we went for we went to town for a bit. I we
1: told com- Peter to go put those come, ones away, too. You, you left those and out
0: and Charlie had eaten an entire goddamn bag of Doritos, <laughs> I didn't even get to Have one Dorito. Yeah, the entire bag of Doritos gone.
1: No, Peter opened it and started eating them, and I told him to put them away, but he just left them sitting on okay. top of the box. He's like, yeah. I, "Well, I put a bag over it." and like,
0: "He still <laughs> smells food." Charlie can move the bag, so then we get a little smart and we box all of our food up and we set it off in the corner, and we're gonna play a game. So we we play we start playing uh coup. Ooh. We started playing coup, and uh, I have my headlamp on. And I hear I hear something off in the corner, and I kind of look over. and I'm like, "Hey!" And fucking Charlie, he's sitting there. He looks at us. He's like, "Oh shit!" So he grabs the nearest thing that he can and tries to run away. And so we all chase it was, after Charlie.
1: It was my canopy bag. He yeah, started it was dragging a big that away. Blue canvas bag. And then all <laughs> of us got up off the table and we're like, "Hey, hey, hey, hey!" And then he, like, scurries off, and then we see him over in the other side of Peter's tent over there just staring at us. And then he runs off again because yep. Rick was going to try and chase him. Did and he bring the bag with him? No, he, he didn't. He dropped the bag. Yeah, he dropped the bag. Which
0: was good. So then we're like, okay, <sighs> fine, we're good, whatever, we're fine. So we go back to playing again, and then, like, ten minutes later, there's fucking Charlie trying to steal shit again. And was so, he, like,
2: super fat at this point? Oh, yeah,
0: no, Charlie was so fat. <laughs> and so we finally we, we find, like hang up all the food and like put it all up out of Charles's reach and we're good. and Charlie shows up once or twice more that night.
1: Mm-hmm. And then Rick had a bashing stick ready. Yep. Yeah. He was he was planning Charlie's death the Rick, entire weekend. Rick really wanted to kill Charlie. He was going to go get some antifreeze and put it on some food and then put it in Charles. the corner. That would end well. And then we're like, "There's so many dogs here that You're people gonna bring. You're going to kill a dog or a drunk person. <laughs> Ooh, a sandwich. <laughs> Ooh, a blue sandwich.
0: I've never seen a blue sandwich
1: before.
0: <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, so then. I go to bed. Um, a couple of the guys are still up. And apparently Charlie then just showed up and started just like
1: circling my tent. Yeah, he did. And then he like went into the flap or whatever and we're like, should we just let it be? And then we're like, no. <laughs> so he scared it off. And they're like, Charlie was just in your tent, man. Was Charlie like, was trying what? to assassinate me. What? <laughs> Stupid Charlie. He's going to eat your face. Probably. Casey, was, Casey one night well, that was fun. Uh, Casey was really drunk and uh, we he was going to bed. And uh, me and Peter and... Everyone were sitting outside or whatever, and like, Casey, we got Star Wars fruit <laughs> snacks. He's like, oh, fruit snacks? And he got really excited, and he had to go pee or whatever. So he came out of his tent, and we didn't have any fruit snacks. They didn't. We did. They lied to me. We did have fruit snacks, but he had to go find them. We yeah, mostly no, no. did it because we <laughs> wanted fruit snacks and we didn't want to find them. So we we so they tricked him me, Carlos. They tricked me with fruit snacks. He was in his underwear,s ready for bread.
0: Yeah, no, I was, I was, I was in bed in my sleeping bag, ready to sleep. <laughs> Ooh, fruit and snacks! Like, Motherfucking Star Wars fruit snacks! I'm like, oh yes, I am coming for this. This is gonna be awesome. <laughs> I get out there, and they're like, oh yeah, no, there's no free snacks. And uh, there was murderous rage in my heart. No, what was this about Stale cheese? Oh, anyway, yeah, sorry. Slug uh, cheese. So slug cheese. So when Charlie left the cooler open, the slugs went into the cooler. Oh, and then uh, we're making breakfast a day or so later, and I'm putting cheese in the in the uh, in the pot, and I'm pouring cheese, pouring cheese. Oh, look, a slug! Throw the slug out. And he's like, pouring. "Should we
1: use it?" <laughs> like, yeah, just
0: use it. <laughs> and so then it's
1: slug cheese. Ah, yeah. Who knows how much cheese he crawled over? Uh, while he was in all of it. We we, we baked did. the crap out of that cheese. <laughs>
0: And it was
2: delicious. Uh,
1: but yeah, the weather fucking sucked all the weekend. The weather blew and at, didn't... At know. least it wasn't actually raining, though. It was yeah. just misty and foggy all weekend. Yeah, no, it was... Oh. Like, the trees ever, were crying on did us. Did you
0: ever see the movie The Mist? No.
2: Okay, well, well, it was I'm like that. I'm familiar with the, like, the fact that I'm assuming that there's mist everywhere.
1: It was that no. thick of mist everywhere. Yeah,
0: there was like maybe
2: We were walking on the boardwalk, and then
1: we'd start getting oh. rained on, and we realized the trees were just... Because around planting. here, it was just beautiful. Last couple yeah, days. No, yeah, no, I know that's and
0: what we hear. We fucking wake up this morning. Birds are chirping, blue skies, not a cloud in
1: sight. Yeah, I We're woke like, up. I leaving. woke up early and watched the sunrise on the beach. It was nice.
0: It was well, good for you, man. I slept very, very mm-hmm. well.
1: Peter and all them slept very well because well, Peter also took a Nyquil. I found out last night because he's getting oh, really? a cold, so he really slept well last night.
0: Well, crap. So, Carlos,
2: what have you been up to? I have not done
1: a whole lot this week.
2: Uh, there was something I did, but I forgot between when I did it and now what it was. So, yeah.
1: Impressive.
2: Yeah, there was something I did, but I... Oh, yeah, I... uh growler was too full. We did read the... Uh, uh, what was the uh, Gary Gygax? The
0: Gary Gygax. Stock- yeah, uh, we're going to release a show uh, later this week um, that we're going to talk about that. Uh, in more detail. But yeah, we got a preview copy of the Gary Gygax uh, biography. Uh, yeah, biography. And If you
1: don't know who Gary Gygax is, who's Gary Gygax? G-
0: Gary Gygax is the creator of Dungeons & Dragons. He's the credited creator of Dungeons and & Dragons, and he started uh, Gen Con way back when, which is now a massive gaming convention that happens every year in uh, Indianapolis.
1: He's still think? alive. No,
0: no, uh no. he passed away in oh crap, what was it? Was it like 2012? No. I thought it was like
2: 2009. How 2009? old
1: was
0: he? Okay. I'd have to look at my notes. I don't
2: know, old?
1: Old? I don't
0: remember people's I'll look. ages, why whatever. I, I got people's? it. Ages. That's ridiculous. Yeah. know, uh but yeah, so it was just, you know, how he created uh Dungeons and Dragons and um some of his other games like Chainmail and stuff like that.
1: He was sixty nine.
0: Sixty nine. Gig yeah, was.
1: What he he hell kind of a last name is Gygax?
2: What was it that he drank? Buttermilk and something else, some alcoholic beverage. Uh, beer.
0: No, was it beer? Oh yeah. He would. Yeah. He he would have a glass of buttermilk and then beer that every is, night. That's, that's buttermilk. Just, what?
1: What's buttermilk?
0: It's exactly what it sounds like. You've never heard of buttermilk before? What about buttermilk pancakes? Oh, yes. So, yeah, buttermilk is... Okay, so buttermilk uh, is a range of fermented milk drinks common in warm climates.
2: Um,
0: Okay, all right. Originally, buttermilk was the liquid left behind after churning butter out of cream. Uh, This type of buttermilk is known as traditional buttermilk. The term buttermilk also refers to a range of... no, Miles, nobody's watching. I'm trying to watch the chat. I'm sorry, Miles. Crap.
1: Yeah, uh, so do you think that's how they got butterbeer, like, uh, in, in Harry Potter? Because she knew stuff about Gary Gygax and was like... I don't think it had anything to do with it. He Bart- liked buttermilk and, and beer, so we put buttermilk <laughs> in our beer for the, the stuff.
2: Although it's probably safe to say that Harry Potter would not have been the same without uh, butter Dungeons beer? and Dragons, probably. Oh, oh yes. definitely
0: not. Okay, now I'm watching the chat. Miles, are you happy? Oh man, even when he's not here, he's uppity. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I I kind of am
2: curious how uh, Dungeons and Dragons actually affected uh, Harry Potter. I I don't know how much she how much uh, she knew about uh, Dungeons and Dragons going. Yeah,
0: on. I I don't know. Um, I I mean Dungeons and Dragons affected yeah. pretty much everything.
2: Of course. Uh, also, another thing is. Uh, Gary Gygax worked insane hours, like, when you're like, oh yeah, I'm starting to get too old for this, so I better uh, take it easy. His taking it easy was was seven days a week, he'd work 12-hour days. It says
1: uh, in her biography, page 45, that in the late 70s and early 80s, fantasy games such as Dungeons & Dragons were quite popular pastimes. They for J, For oh, oh, J.K. For Rowling,
0: okay. ah. I mean, like just in general, yeah, they they were. That is true. I mean, <laughs> that is a true statement
1: for uh, Rowling.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. No, it's. I mean, it's influenced uh, influenced pretty uh, pretty much everything. So it's crazy. Though he hates uh, any of the like he hated being uh, compared to Tolkien. Yeah, he hated it. Because he was not a fan of Tolkien. And then he got to
2: share a spot, like, with Tolkien on, like, the 50 and top. he's like, I guess fine.
0: <laughs> like, if, if your biggest problem is being compared to Tolkien, I, I think you're good.
2: I do agree with him that Tolkien was dry. Yeah. Except,
0: you know. It was dry, Casey. No. Sick, it was tired, very dry. No, you're dry.
2: Not quite as uh, dry as Dune. <laughs> uh never gets old.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it immediately got old. Like, it's old now. Dune? Yeah,
2: that, that book's old. Yeah,
0: no, I ah, um.
2: Also, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so that's also really old. Pour books.
0: yourself some beer. we got to get this going around.
2: All right. get Pouring this stuff. Yes. Because we also uh, did an interview this week.
0: Yes, uh, that will be the second half of today's show. Uh will be our interview with Red, Red Wing Brewing Company, or Red Wing Brewery. Uh, in Red Wing, Minnesota. I don't know why Red Wing. I have so much trouble saying that. Carlos, no! Nice save. Here you go. I learned the glass.
2: It could be. It's tall, thin glass. Well, yes. Just-
0: no. Yeah. I I just grabbed three clean glasses. All right. So uh, we have in front of us uh, Pepe's Porter from the brewery. Uh, Red So there's there's a little story behind it here, so I'll read that. Uh, Red Wing lies at the head of the greatest lake on the Mississippi River, Lake Pepin. 25 miles long and surrounded by mountainous bluffs, Lake Pepin is a natural and recreational paradise. But legend says that it is also home the home of Pepi, the mysterious creature that lives in the dark depths of the lake. It is only fitting, then, that Pepe's Porter be a dark beer with a mysterious complexity and flavor that derives from several varieties of caramelized, flaked, and roasted barley. Uh, While you might not be able to locate the elusive Pepe, you can always depend on finding satisfaction in a Pepe's Porter. Uh, Brewmaster's notes, uh, it's American Porter with coffee-like notes balanced by a touch of honey malt. comes in at 6.0% ABV um, and about 28 IBUs, for those of you who care about that information. Uh, no beer advocate uh, score on it. I checked that. So,
2: yeah. Do you know what I hate? Hmm. Fictional lake monsters.
0: Why do you hate fictional lake monsters?
2: They're horrible. They're stupid. Like okay. what is the uh, big one? in the uh, Loch Ness. Yeah, the Loch Ness monster. Like that one's bullshit.
0: And then like people keep talking about it. I like, talk about. no, oh, it's not real. Okay. If you do, you, do you hate non-fictional lake monsters? Like what? There aren't any. Like alligators and Crocodiles? <laughs> no, those are not lake monsters. Those are real, Casey. <laughs> those are real. Those are not lake Proven monsters. Proven fact. Not lake monsters.
2: Yeah, you just wait till you get murdered by one.
0: <laughs> I, I won't. I avoid the waters where they live.
2: I can't avoid water forever, monsters. Casey.
0: No, I, I don't have to. I just have to avoid certain water. All right. Right? Like Florida? Yeah, just all of Florida. you go to
2: Florida periodically. Like, yeah, got-
0: but I don't go near the water. I go to Orlando. That's landlocked.
2: I don't know. There's still water. And you know how muggy it gets down there? Okay. I think they'll be fine.
0: They can't swim through
2: the air. They don't. Sw- they can walk. Casey, <laughs> they have legs. They can't walk very far. Have
0: you seen how short those little legs are?
2: And they're fast. They can just jump at you from uh, quite a ways. Yeah, well, but
0: they can only do that once.
2: When I say jump, I don't mean literally jump. They can just r- they they rush you. Yeah, they don't actually jump like a frog.
0: Okay, well, now that you're done bitching about uh fictional lake monsters, can we talk about the yeah, beer?
2: Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> no.
0: Um, we tried this one uh at the brewery. I don't know if we got tasting notes uh recorded or not. Um we we also tried the uh their uh historic ale. I know we got that one uh tasted on yep. air, I believe. Uh but we really liked this one and so uh full disclosure they did gift us this growler. So this Woo-hoo! is a gifted growler. Of delicious beer. All right,
2: Carlos. Hey, oh, do. Oh, yeah. What do I think about the beer? Yeah, I <laughs> I like this beer. Uh, this is a good porter. Um, it's not uh, too heavy, uh, which is I don't know. Some sometimes uh, I get worried that I'll start drinking a porter because it's so dark. and I'll, I'll think like, oh, I I, I like start expecting a
1: stout or something. But like, mm-hmm. this is a very good porter. So.
0: Okay. Yeah. Matt.
1: Uh, basically everything Carlos said. It's light. Uh, it has quite a good flavor to it. Uh, it's kind of chocolatey, I think.
2: Right? Yeah. Wow, everything I said, that's like, half
0: of
1: that was nonsense. I know. And that's why I couldn't speak. I'm not a big fan of Porter's, so.
0: Okay. You know, yeah, no, this one uh, is chocolatey, uh, a little creamy. Uh, yeah. There has to be, like, some oat and stuff in there. But it's... That
1: brewer was really cool to yeah. talk to.
0: Yeah, Norm. Norm! Sorry. I like that joke. I'm not gonna let it die. Anyway, uh I I really like this porter. Um it's it's not as harsh as some of the porters that we get around here. Yeah. It's a
2: lot smoother. I do like a smoother porter over like one of the harsher ones.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, Carlos, give us a score. Um eight eight and a half, I think. Eight and a half, okay.
1: Matt? Uh I'd say seven point six.
0: Seven point six. I'm gonna give it a solid eight. All right. I uh, really. I could. I could drink a lot of this beer. Um, but I shouldn't drink a lot of this beer because I've been doing nothing else but drinking over yeah. the last couple days. Oh, we also stopped at the Angry Minnow. Forgot to
1: mention that. Oh, that was delicious. Oh, the
0: Angry Minnow. Love the Angry Minnow. It's a brew pub in Hayward, Wisconsin, and I had nachos because of course I did, and they had jalapeno cheese on them, as well as jalapenos. And other delicious things, Mm. and they had such delicious beer. Yeah, just needed to get my
1: BLT with avocado and egg was the greatest thing ever.
0: And they were brewing. Uh, they were brewing, and so you could, if you walked uh over the brewery, you could just smell the mash out. Oh, oh, it smelled. so It's always such a fantastic smell. It is, and it was the second time like I'd seen a working brewery in action uh, that week, so I got lots of that smell.
2: Yeah, I haven't uh, bre- done any homebrew with you lately. So, like, when we uh, did the interview, like, it was like when I we went back to the back area where they were brewing, like,
0: ah, oh, it smells fantastic. They need to make a brewing, a grain, or like just a brewing candle, like oh, a yeah? candle that smells like brewing. <laughs> because that is such an amazing smell. Just like the, the freshly, you know, crushed grains and, oh.
2: Mm. Too bad when we were over there, they uh, didn't, they uh, it, w- it wasn't late enough for them to have the pizza. Mm
0: hmm. Yeah, the pizza is awesome. We talked a little bit about that in the interview. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I wish
1: the, uh, that pizza was so Well, we're going to
0: make a trip over oh, there. Oh, did you ever ask, did you
1: ask the bakery if you can buy dough from him?
0: I totally forgot. Um,
1: That'd be sweet.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, should we do some other things? Some here? news things? Yeah, that's what we're. I'm sorry, guys. We're just a little slow today.
1: It's Daijo.
0: The Department of Defense presents News with Casey. That's me. Does it ever get old? No, it doesn't. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: no, it really does not. I, Yeah, no, it doesn't. <laughs> All right, very short uh, news segment this week, guys. I, I did about 45 minutes of research looking for news stories, and just nothing great. A lot of stuff about uh, the the Republican guy stepping down. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Boehner. Boehner. Boehner yep. stepping down. And that's just kind of clogging up all the news feeds. And then some really depressing stuff about refugees and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, let's not talk about that. Uh, yeah,
0: I don't want to. <laughs> I'm
1: just telling you the things that <laughs> that happened there. while oh, we were gone. And, and then just, the Pope.
0: just a shit ton of Pope news. And so I have one Pope story that I found the most entertaining of the Pope stories. Yeah, I decided to get
2: I I don't know, this week I decided to get my uh Pope news from the onion, so it was pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently uh he just thought that Philadelphia was a horrible place that should be burned down by God.
0: <laughs> there was a cracked article about why the Pope should not go to Philadelphia. Yeah. Did you read that one? I did not. Basically Uh, It was was a writer from Philadelphia listing all the reasons why the Pope shouldn't go there. But if the Pope did want to go there, he could totally crash on his couch. (laughs) 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 All right. uh, So some people love the Pope just a little too much. And some of those people also hold positions in our federal government. So U.S. Democratic Congressman Bob Brady uh, made a beeline for the front of the room after the Pope finished addressing Congress— and then he took the Pope's drinking glass that was still full of water.
2: Yeah. Oh, wow. what?
0: Yeah. He took the Pope's drinking glass after the Pope had drank out of it. Right. Uh, he then took said glass back to his office where he had a drink of the Pope's backwash. And as did his wife, two staffers, Senator Bob Casey, Bob Casey's wife, and Bob Casey's mom. They want his magical powers. <laughs> right. <laughs> Brady then bottled whatever was left for his four grandchildren and his great-granddaughter so he can bless them with it. <laughs> what the wow. Fuck? Yeah, I didn't know Pope Backwash was that exciting.
2: Uh I can't remember where it was, but uh there was a uh, well there was a massive crowd waiting for the pope to show up. Uh Donald Trump stuck his head out trying to get people to cheer for him. So that was a thing and like Donald Trump cheruboos. is not the pope. No, he is not.
0: Very different, different thing.
2: Maybe uh, Donald Trump might try to buy some of that, uh, that backwash. He has (laughs) the money to buy it, right? I need some Pope backwash, stat. (laughs) (laughs) He's gonna use it in his hair.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The only thing that makes it stick to his head. (laughs) He has to water it daily with Pope backwash.
2: That and the tears of the orphans that he has made, right?
0: Man, like I don't, I just don't get the hubbub of the Pope. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, like, I mean, you were raised Catholic, right, Matt? Uh, yeah. Do you get the Pope thing?
1: I get that he is much more liberal with his views of what the church well, yeah, should the, be. This that's pope that's is, the yeah. reason why the Pope is cool right now.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I get I get why this Pope is cool, but I could like, care
1: less about any other Popes. I don't. Well, even no, know but like like
0: a visiting Pope, it doesn't seem like that. Well, big of a... It's the, just
1: like when the Dalai Lama comes to visit and shit. Like it's the so. head of their of the of the religion, so, I mean, it's... Yeah. Like, it Jesus makes is sense. the head
2: of the religion.
1: No. <laughs> Jesus
2: never shows up to any conventions or anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> if he starts showing up to podcasts and stuff, turning water into wine and stuff, then we can so start talking about Pope on him. the
0: podcast? Carlos, I the, want you to read that. Casey,
2: the Pope cannot turn water into wine.
1: I want to hear a conversation Not a pope power. this Pope and the Dalai Lama. I think that'd be a really cool conversation to hear.
0: I want to see them out-miracle each other. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to that Vegas show.
2: Once again, Casey, neither of them can turn water into wine.
0: Are you well, sure? probably
2: even beer. They probably can't even turn it into beer.
0: Well, turning water into beer is hard. That
1: requires some time.
0: It yeah. requires some grain. Well, technically
2: so, turning water into wine, but...
0: I know that one just requires magic. <laughs> Jesus magic. Well, that's why the Pope is not going to come on the show. Uh... <laughs> A Michigan man got frightened by a spider on Saturday while he was filling up his car with gasoline. Being a brave and courageous, yet slightly dim-witted man, he did the only noble thing and tried to cleanse it with fire. So when he lit up his lighter and tried to burn the spider, he forgot about the flammability of gasoline. And when he brought the flame close to his fuel tank, well, the flames got significantly larger. The man and the gas station attendant were fortunately able to get the flames under control before the fire department arrived, and the spider was killed. So, you know, no harm, no foul, just
1: guys,
2: why lighters, you, gas. Why would you
1: even gun. think uh, trying to light uh, the spider?
2: Well, uh, actually, now that you bring it up, uh, I was doing laundry the other day, uh, just uh, yesterday, and uh, I opened up the wash after having washed it, and like, oh, there's a massive spider in my freshly washed clothes. I was thinking, you know, I could go get some gasoline from outside, pour it in there, light it on fire. I'd have to get new clothes, but I'd kill
1: the spider. think it is so much easier than China.
2: I had to stop and think that, you know, I'd have to buy new clothes. Especially because
1: the spider's going to run away while you're trying to Yeah, well, with
2: the light. That's probably no, what it no. was
1: doing. And then it, it was
2: like, oh, well, shit. it was kind of trapped in there. You know, and in Carlos's defense, all he has to do is turn the washing machine on. No, no. it was If it had survived one wash, it's going to survive another wash.
0: No, no. Put out the fire.
2: Oh,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, no. You've already burned the spider. Now you can put out the fire by just turning on the washing machine. Or you could
1: just put all your clothes in the dryer, and but then it'd be burnt that way.
0: No, I took all my clothes
2: out. Then, and then you have I to touch
1: the spider. No, I, I no. I you had go a go a like this.
2: I just care. I just took toss all my stuff in the dryer, and then I smashed the spider. <laughs> and that was uh.
0: What? Did, how did you smash the spider?
2: With a CD case, because we have plenty of CD cases that aren't important anymore.
0: Because CDs aren't important anymore. Who That's buys CDs? I don't know.
2: I, I, get, I really need to start throwing away some of my old ones because they're just eating up space.
0: Yes. All right, guys. Well, those are my two news stories. Like I said, very light news week. Uh, a spider on the Pope were our top two stories. Not even an
2: awesome Australian spider that might eat your face.
0: No, I know. It's, that's how depressing it is. Though, uh, I did stumble across a story uh, that a, there was an, an Australian company, they built a wilderness tank. I think it's just for commuting. I'm not entirely sure. Uh but basically it's a giant armored RV that has like a little forklift on the back. It was pretty neat.
2: I read about how like in the uh, 1800s uh the UK and uh Europe just thought that uh, America was this horrible cesspool full of uh horrible horrendous uh creatures like 3-foot frogs and things like that but uh, I, that's ridiculous. That's, that's yeah, that's Australia. <laughs> they were confusing us with
0: Australia. They were. Those fools. All right. So, we're going to launch into the, the interview. kangaroos. <laughs> we're going to launch into the interview in just a second here. Um they mostly consist uh consists of myself and Rick Roland uh talking to uh Scott Colby, one of the uh founders and co-owners of the brewery. Um, the other person mentioned is uh, Norm, uh, William Norm Norman, and I don't know if he will show up in this interview. I'm trying to, like, it was, we talked for about an hour or so, and so there was a lot of stuff back and forth, and then afterwards we went toward the, uh, like, the brewery back there and stuff, so he will show up in the videos. Um, we're going to do uh, one or two videos on YouTube that will be out later this week, so make sure you check those out, and we'll put links and stuff on our Facebook page and whatnot when they are done. Uh, But it was a lot of fun, and they were super gracious, just so nice to us and really accommodating. Uh, We went in the middle of the week. Uh, They opened up early so they could come and talk to us and stuff, and we got to go see their brewing process in action, which we haven't been able to do yet at any other facility. So that was a lot of fun. And, you know, I started... Oh. What? What? Okay. Okay. Alright, that is it So, uh, we'll be back afterwards For just a brief recap And then, yeah, to wrap up
3: So we're here with uh, Scott
0: From Red Wing uh, Brewery You're one of the co-founders, right?
3: Yes, uh, myself and a gentleman Named William Norman, who goes by Norm And uh, <laughs> so we We are the two uh, the, the two co-founders Of, of uh, the new Red Wing Brewery
0: Okay um, what what made you want to start a brewery? What was the thing where you are like, man, I really just want to sell beer now?
3: Well, is sort of that typical story of homebrewers that uh, get kind of starry-eyed and wonder if they can go <laughs> professional, and uh, that was the case with us. Norm had actually taught me how to homebrew about uh, 15 years ago, and we uh, never really anticipated doing anything like this. We just carried it on as a hobby, and... and, uh, and uh, I think the catalyst for us in deciding to do this was when we came across the 119-year-old recipe of Rindler's beer, and uh, we we started to learn about this rich tradition of brewing here in Red Wing, Minnesota, and we wanted to revive that again, and then when we found that recipe from 120 years ago, we said, well, we've got to do this, we've got to bring this back, so uh, and restore this bit of Red Wing's history again.
0: So you found that while you were homebrewers?
3: We did. Okay. We were... Uh, I'm I'm a history buff, and so it was a very um, natural fit to be interested in Red Wings history, being that there's such a strong history here in in our city. And the more we got into the history of the breweries here, and there were five actually in the the late 1800s, we, we started to get, I guess, really involved in what used to be here, and um, Red Wing's got some some wonderful history, which is evident through uh, timeless industries, which are still around today, with, with pottery, stoneware, um, the, the boots and the shoes. And beer making was very much a, a, a founding industry of the city as well, um, dating back to 1857. So as we started to get more and more into it, um, we realized what a strong presence breweries had here at one time. And we just felt that it was... Do for these for this, for this age-old industry to be to to uh, make a presence again in Red Wing. Very
0: cool. All right, so the, the 120-year-old recipe, you you find it in like an old book.
3: Like we were in the library of the Goodhue County Historical Society, and the. Uh, The the librarian at the time was kind enough to give us all the materials that that she had. She said, I'm not even sure what's in here, but you're welcome to take a look and see if there's anything that you might find of interest. And as we were pouring through pictures and old newspaper articles, we found in German uh, these letters of uh, correspondence that were written by the head brewer back in 1896 from Remler's Brewery. He was writing down to the American Brewing Academy in Chicago and describing what materials he was using and in what amounts. So we compiled those letters to realize that he was really describing the recipe for the beer that he was making back in that time. And when you put them together, you see what grains he was using and what uh, what uh, hops he was using at the time. And uh, we started to run these through our home brewing system and uh, the result actually was congruent with the result that the state brewing chemist came up with at the design at the time. he had, he had found uh, uh, the uh, he had published his results of the beer, um, the the final gravity of the beer, the alcohol by volume and our results were matching that so we knew that we, Actually, did have the recipe of the beer from 1896. We know that the recipe evolved by 1913. Um, they started using rice as an adjunct, which was common in the brewing industry back then. It would it would lighten the beer for an American palate that was changing. Um, but uh, so so by 1913, we know they're they're getting railroad cars of rice from St. Paul delivered down <laughs> the Red Line here. But prior to that, um, uh, it was a uh, very much a, a a German-influenced recipe, and that's what we're serving on tap today.
0: Cool. So, um, grain, has that changed a lot? Like, because I know early, like, you know, early, like, the kilning processes would leave really, like, a smoky flavor in the grains and stuff. Is that something you had to worry about?
3: Well, all of the ingredients have evolved to some extent, and, and that's due to technology and, and, and uh, uh, I guess more advanced science as far as, uh, um, uh, grains and, and, uh, and horticulture goes. So the grains are different now. The hops are different now. The yeast is a little bit different now. And our job was to find the closest descendants that we have available to us today, uh, with what uh, to to what was available back then. Um, the grains have changed somewhat. Um, mostly back then they were using a six-row barley. Today two-row barley is a little bit more efficient, and uh, uh, six-row still is available. However. Uh, the hops we have hop varieties today that are that are very hardy, um, more resistant to downy mildew, which which caused a major blight back in the early 1900s It pretty much wiped out the hop industry here in the Midwest and uh, sent the industry out to the Pacific Northwest where it's still dominant today. Um, the yeast back then was um, uh, was uh, not as diverse as it is today. The yeast varieties so. So we had to, again, uh, uh, contact, uh, well, case in point with the hops, we, I, I, we know that they used what they called New York hops, which would have been hops grown in upstate New York. So we contacted hop farmers in, in, uh, in, in New York and asked them what would have likely been, um, been grown back in, in the late 1800s. And so they were helpful with, with steering us towards styles today that, that would be reminiscent of, of what was available back okay. then. So when we put these all together, it, it, uh, it again luckily created uh, the same results that they were getting back in 1896. But that was probably the hardest recipe to, uh, uh, to, to recreate <laughs> because we're constrained uh, within certain parameters to, to be historically accurate. We had to, we, had to, uh, we, we couldn't flex the, yeah. the amount of hops or the amount of grains or, or uh, you know, we had to be, uh, uh, we had to follow what was true back then. So the rest of the recipes we can tweak a little bit because they're our own. So we can add right. a little bit more, you know, malt if we need to or back off the hops if we need to um, or change the yeast strain. But that one was, to be historically accurate, we, we had to, re- to remain consistent with what they were, what they were doing back then. So the, the Remlers sounds like it was a lot of work. <laughs> it was, but worth it. Um, I, it's, so it's so very game. worth it to, to yeah. have a, uh, literally a taste of Red Wings history back with us again today.
0: Very cool. And yeah. I got to say, it tastes really
3: good. It is a good beer. Yeah. Well, it's it's actually got as much malt. Uh, it's, the, the grain bill is as sizable as uh, the grain bill for a stout. Uh, there is a lot of malt to it, but there, there are a lot of hops to it as well. So it, it, it creates a nice balance um, without the modern adjuncts uh, yeah. that we see today and a lot of, that, are, that are prevalent in a lot of beers. Yeah, I know uh,
0: everyone I talk to who sees it and they're like, oh, this is the pre-prohibition beer at 6.3 percent? it seems a little high, doesn't
3: it? <laughs> well, it was written back in the newspaper of the day that Remlers could put a lumberjack on his ear. And <laughs> while 6.3 percent is not necessarily unusual today with, uh, with the, the, the development of the craft beer industry, back then it was considered a very strong beer. Yeah. And uh, in fact, there's um, uh, one of the sizes of, of uh, 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 sizes that we serve, um, uh, the gla- in terms of the glassware, uh, what you've got right now is called the snit. It's basically a half pint. And back in the day, in 1896, it was called the Bellhammer Snit, named for a German here in Red Wing name, named John Bellhammer. He uh, uh, came over to the United States, was a farmer here in Red Wing, was a very big man, stood six foot six, and he used to be a frequent patron at the Remler's Bury Saloon, right on the on the brewery premises. Um, John used to want to prolong his stay at the saloon without becoming overly intoxicated because it was very strong beer, so he used to order his beers in the snit size, the half pint rather than the full pint size of 16 ounces. And so the locals, knowing that this was his preferred uh, uh, beverage size, then called it the Bell Hammer Snit. And uh, we, we encountered... That footnote uh, in in the papers of the historical society. So we and uh, so we decided to resurrect that name of a a snit. It was it was a common term prior to prohibition, but a a lot of uh, a lot of um, uh, tavern jargon fell out of use. Uh, after, with, uh, uh, by the time Prohibition was over 1933 so a lot of that, that bit of American vernacular was, was lost sure. but some of that is coming back now with, uh, with a return to the old ways and, and with the, some of these, histori- these stories from, uh, from the late 1800s and early 1900s so, so we wanted to resurrect the snit and resurrect that term again in, uh, in, in honor of Mr. Bellhammer
0: well, now that we know it we can start using it right yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, a cool... it's a good word it's a good word so you're three years old now,
3: right? Coming up that's in three kitchen. years, okay. yeah. We opened on December 6, 2012, and, uh, and it's been a uh, three years of growth. Um, we've doubled our keg capacity, more than doubled our keg capacity. We've had to expand our kitchen. We're starting to feel a little stretched at the seams right now, and I think that's a common story in, in, uh, in many breweries.
0: Is there any plans for expansion? Um, I know you said that when, like, Friday, Saturdays this is standing room only.
3: I think I think inevitably you know you, you've always got to have that in the back of your mind of what's what's the next step because there's a point where with the uh, with the way the craft beer industry is going right now it's it's just uh, it's, um, it's becoming very popular people are really embracing the craft beer industry all over yeah. America so I think you I think anybody going into the field has to initially plan in their business uh, in their business model for some sort of expansion okay. we There's there's a phrase in the industry: stay as small as you can, as long as you can. And uh, we're trying to adhere to that, just because we've been told by our patrons that they like the cozy and the intimate atmosphere of the brewery here and the the tap room. Um, We don't want to sacrifice that with uh, with uh, with a a major expansion right away. So we're trying to enjoy who we are for 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 as um, long as possible. For as long as possible. Uh, I think down the line, if there's an opportunity to expand and and. uh, and, and, and the time is right for that. We'll, we'll address that when the time comes, um, but we definitely don't want to lose that, that intimacy, that, that, that coziness of a, of a brew pub atmosphere. Um, you know, of course, pub, short for public house, where people used to gather. We like, we like this to be a gathering place for people, and we certainly don't want to lose that uh, in the name of, uh, of a great expansion.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So when you opened, how many beers did you have? You, had, you obviously had ramblers. Uh, what were your other like flagships right
3: away? We have uh, 13 right now registered with the state of Minnesota, and some of them are historical labels that res- we've resurrected. Remlers is the actual recipe from, from 1896. The rest are labels that used to exist, but the recipes have been lost to history. So we uh, so we've brought those back with a nod to uh, to to the existence of these beers back in uh, back in the day. Um, Red Wing Premium is the lightest beer that we make. It's a cold style beer, comes out to be sort of a straw color in nature. It's uh, 4.7 percent alcohol by volume, so it's a, it, it's a uh, one of our lighter beers. Uh, but a lot of people do find favor with that if they're if they um, uh, especially on a warm summer day. It tends to something like that tends to hit the spot. Sure. So uh, Red Wing Premium, the recipe was likely an American light lager. Again, we brewed as a cold style beer, so. Um, it, it's not the, the exact recipe that they were using back then, but, uh, uh, but in, the, in 1950, which is when this beer was, was prevalent here in Red Wing, um, it was what they called the taste of Goodhue County, Goodhue County's pride. So we wanted to resurrect that label just because of that, that historic note. The uh, uh, Kokens Bavarian-style Red Wing beer was another beer that uh, was popular back about 80 years ago in the 1930s. We decided to bring back that label as our Fall Ale. Basically, an Oktoberfest beer, an Oktoberfest ingredients, but brewed as an ale versus a lager, so it instead makes it a, makes it a um, a, uh, a fall ale. So, so that one's one of our seasonals. But all the rest, all the rest of our beers, Red Wing never had a brown or a stout or a porter before, and so those are new styles to the city, and we decided to name those styles um, uh, so that they promote some aspect of, of uh, uniqueness that makes makes our city what it is.
0: Are they uh, homebrew recipes that you scaled up, or are they new recipes to the brewery?
3: They're based on homebrew recipes. Okay. You know, we we started with a well, actually, uh, in the very beginning, we started with the, the stainless steel pot up on the kitchen stove, like every other homebrewer, like every other homebrewer, and uh, and and that's how it all began. Eventually, we. Started to migrate to a half barrel system. Um, uh, we took Sam's advice from Dogfish Head, invested in a Sabco Brew Magic, and uh, that that really helped us to start repeating our recipes uh, so that we had consistency and we were able to tweak them as, as we wanted. And as we uh, as we started to create our recipes, we um, we we settled on on those that we liked and those that we, we felt could be scaled up to a six-barrel system, which is what we have now here at okay. the room house. But, again, with the names of our beers, we wanted to bring out the best of Red Wing. I mean, we are the Red Wing brewery, and so uh, so when people come here, there are certain um, aspects of the city that, that they find very unique and very interesting, and and, um, and that's what we wanted to bring out. Stoneware Stout, for example. Um, Red Wing is known for its stoneware. We felt that it would be very fitting to... To name a beer after that industry, work boot red. Red Wings known for its uh, uh, high quality shoes and boots and, and footwear, so we wanted to uh, pay homage to that through our, through our Irish Red Ale. Um, Pepe's Porter is named after a local lake monster here on Lake Pepin. Every good every good lake has its uh, has a, has a good monster to go with it. So um, so Peppy has. Uh, uh, has been uh, steeped in legend here for I think for 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 centuries, and so we wanted to to uh, give Pepe a nod with a, with a, a porter named in, in, in his honor. So so every every beer tells a story, and, and that's uh, a, a story about about what again what Redwing is and who we are. So that's what we wanted to bring forth through our styles. Very cool.
0: Yeah, you guys have done a really good job at keeping the history of you know not just not just beer in Wing but you know, just Red Wing itself kind of embodied in this place is
3: very cool. Well, and Red Wing is a, is a very historical city. Uh, you, you'll find that, that the citizens of Red Wing have a very strong pride in what the city's all about and, and, and where its where it's uh, uh, it, it, its roots, I guess, over the past, since it was founded in 1857 and even before that when it was a, a village and a, a native village. There's a, a tremendous amount of... Minnesota history and, and uh, Mississippi River history that that, that that has been passed down through the generations and we wanted to bring that out as much as possible through it, in what ways we can through the brewery here
0: well, let's talk about the, uh, the like, I guess the brew pub itself a bit here. Um, your guys' pizzas are out of this world. I just need to say that right now. I've I've eaten here three times now, and keep bringing other people. I'm like you gotta try this. You gotta try this.
3: Thank you. Um,
0: I think it's the crust. Like what do you guys do with that crust? Because it is amazing.
3: Well, we we do uh, as much as we can locally as far as our, our sources, and we have some wonderful resources to draw upon here in Red Wing um the crust comes from Hanish Bakery which is uh, uh last year voted the number 1 bakery in Minnesota um it's uh, located on 3rd Street here in downtown so very easy to find we take our brewers grains over to uh, Bill Hanish and, and the gang over there at the bakery and they do a wonderful job creating this uh this crust which is um uh, which is uh, fresh it's reminiscent of um European baked bread it's uh, a lot of people a lot of people that sell pizza um, uh, see the crust as the just the means of getting the rest of the ingredients from from, from the plate to, to you and but the crust is a very big part of that pizza you know um, it's uh, it, and, and to to overlook the quality of the crust I think is, is you know it's, it's uh, it, it detracts from the from the overall uh, quality of the of the products, so so we we talked to uh, Hannish Bakery. Actually, they approached us uh, before we were opening and asked if we'd, if uh, if if they would be um, would be willing to to uh, uh, utilize them. We so said absolutely. We we were really excited about that because they had a strong reputation of being a quality uh, um, a quality bakery, and we're very excited to uh, to. Work with them and they, they do an outstanding job for not only us, but they work with many different restaurants around the in, in Red Wing and around our area. Um, I know that they provide buns and, and uh, crusts for other restaurants, so they, they're they're it really is a, 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 a hometown bakery in every sense of the word, you know. And and, uh, and they're again, they I can't speak highly enough about them, they do a wonderful job. But we also, uh, we're also fortunate to have some wonderful uh, uh, meat stores here in Red Wing. I live up in the old Fairgrounds, uh, old Fairgrounds neighborhood here in Red Wing, and we've got a little store up there called Buchanan Grocery. It's been around since 1923, and uh, they have a meat counter in the back, just you know, one of those quintessential neighborhood grocery stores, and so um, before I come down to work, I'll swing by and pick up uh, meats that we use for our pizzas from there. We get a blue cheese from Faribault, Minnesota, um, which is uh, uh, the home of Ama Blue Cheese which has won international awards for its quality. Uh, we, we love using another Minnesota product for that. Our uh, uh, gluten-free crust from a little place here called Simple Abundance uh, on Bush Street here downtown um, which, which specializes in, in uh, whole foods and and, uh, and, uh, uh, and, uh, and uh, uh, foods that are very uh, uh, nutritional in value and for you so we're very pleased to be able to work with Kiki and the gang over there, Simple Abundance. So again we just have some wonderful resources to draw upon here and uh, we're, we're, we're so excited to be able to utilize those and I think I think the quality is evident in the final product. For sure. It's, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely utilizing the whole town. Yeah. yeah well I think I think a lot of people here in Red Wing that we've we've had a lot of people visit the city that say they love what they one of the things that they love about Red Wing is the number of locally owned restaurants here. Um, it it's it's one of the things that I do when I go to a to a when I'm visiting another location is to look for local establishments places where you're going to get that local flavor, and we really do have an abundance of that here in in, uh, in Red Wing, Minnesota. It's it's um it's. And and I think the other thing that you'll find is that a lot of us who are here like to cross-promote each other. We realize that diversity in locally-owned restaurants creates an attraction for people who are visiting our city. And uh, and so when people are here at the brewery, I love to tell them about other places to, to, to eat or other things to see and other attractions to visit while they're here. Because as a visitor elsewhere, I know I appreciate that. Um, when when local business owners tell me about the the, the places that I should catch while I'm in town. and so we try and offer that same courtesy to visitors to our city. Very cool.
2: It gives people a reason to come back and visit. To
3: it is you know e- even if they don't, even if they have a limited time here in Red Wing and they're not able able to take in everything, it, it, again it gives them reason to, to come back and, and be returned yep. guests uh, here here to Red Wing. So. We love seeing familiar faces and, and having uh, uh, having people come back because that means that we're doing something right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it's, it's fantastic. I love, like, just, especially, like, down here, um, you said that this area, in particular, is starting to get revitalized with a bunch of, like, new restaurants and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So were you guys the first ones down in this area then? That...
3: Well, we've, there have been a number of places that have, that have come and gone and some that okay. have, uh, have stayed. Uh, throughout the years Um, within our couple of blocks here this well I'll give you a history this is now called Old West Main Street where we're located and and it was called that because this was the west end of of Main Street as it came out of downtown and it snaked around uh, uh, (laughs) through some residential neighborhoods and some light industrial neighborhoods and it followed the path of the river until it, it got to the pottery district, and then from there it, it left town and, and headed up towards, towards uh, uh, eventually towards the Twin Cities, and towns along the way. So, uh, in the nineteen about well, 1960, Highway 61 was built, and Highway 61 through downtown does follow the old east end of Main Street, but uh, but at this end it it. Uh, um, it, it, it carved its own path through uh, through the city of Red Wing, and then caused the west end of Main Street to become a spur off of that. But uh, but this was historically the main drag of our city, and uh, and so after Highway 61 was built, it converted to be kind of a light industrial area, and that's the way it stayed for for a number of years. Recently, there's been sort of a a uh, a conversion to uh, um, an entertainment district, for, uh, especially for the marina, which is about a block away down, down, uh, down towards the river here. In fact, if the buildings across the street were, uh, 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 weren't there, you'd actually be able to see the marina down at the, uh, uh, down at the foot of the hill so uh, so we're very proximate to the marina we're very proximate to the new highway 61 back here and it creates easy access for people to visit so uh, kelly's bar which is down at the end of our street was known as errol's bar for a long time actually was originally built around 1900 as a grocery store to serve the residents in this neighborhood and that's when the old redwing brewery used to stand right across the street from there um but uh but Kelly's has a kitchen now, um, has uh, a tavern food, um, you'll often find Kelly herself on the grill there, they, they, they serve some wonderful grilled items there, um, and uh, they have uh, a number of craft beers on tap as well. The Bayside Tavern has been a staple here in Red Wing, that's two doors down from Kelly's, they've been around for many, many years, and, and that's open again as a, as a steakhouse, Glenn and Christie do a wonderful job with their... Their food there. People have described it as Twin Cities quality steaks at Red Wing prices, so <laughs> they do a nice job there as well. Um, West End Liquor has been across the street from us uh, for 30 years. Wonderful neighbors here. They carry a, a, an amazing amount of craft beer, um, and, and and they also carry local wines and local spirits as well. So uh, they uh, uh, they've been a neighborhood tradition here for many for for decades. So. We're uh, we're very pleased to be now a part of that, and uh, and and it's it's just been a um, uh, it's been enjoyable to become a fabric of, of, of a very historic part of, of Red Wing. You'll notice Red Wing has very distinct neighborhoods, each with its own history, and this West End um, part of the Main Street down here has its own distinct history, and it's been fun to to, to become involved in that and to to uh, to. Understand what was once here and how this whole neighborhood developed since it's uh, since it was created. Very cool. cool.
0: So um, Minnesota laws are a little different than what we're used to in Wisconsin, <laughs> where basically anybody can self-distribute their beer wherever they want. But you guys, since you're uh, a brew pub, you guys have to keep all of your own beer in house, correct?
3: We do. Uh, in in Minnesota. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, complexities to the law, but um, to, the straightest way to put it is that if, if you're a brew pub in Minnesota, that means you have a kitchen and your own food tied in with your, your brewery. And so uh, that means that you can't wholesale your beer. You can't have it distributed. You can only sell it from the premise. And uh, and, and, and with that, the growler containers, which are the half gallon, 64 ounce containers, tend to be the most popular way of, of off sale for brew pubs. Um, the, uh, the other organizational structure that you can, uh, or, uh, or business structure that you can have in, in uh, Minnesota is a production brewery. And a production brewery typically doesn't have their own food, they have a, um, uh, a lot of them will have uh, food trucks that they partner with. And, uh, uh, but those, those guys can retail their beer. They can have it uh, sold for um, uh, wholesale through restaurants and, 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 um, and liquor stores. A lot of people has at, have asked us if, if that's been stifling, and uh, I, I, there there have been some some brew pubs that are at the point now here in Minnesota where they feel uh, that they wanted to expand and they want to be more of a they want to have a production component as well. Um, we're young enough still, where where Minnesota laws have have been uh, have been okay with us. We we. Uh, we just don't have the capacity right now, the production levels, to be able to, to not only meet what we're serving here, um, f- uh, both in-house and for off sale, but, but to also be able to fulfill tap lines and liquor store orders. We're just, um, we're just not at that point yet. And perhaps someday we will be as we, uh, uh, as, as, we, as we go on in the years, but for right now, we're pretty maxed out with, uh, with what we're able to produce. And it's been, you know, again, it's, it's been great to be at that point. Um, but uh, but bottling our beers right now and caning our beers and selling wholesale so simply wouldn't be an option for us based on our on our current size. But again, I can understand where some other brew pubs that have been around for a while you know they may be looking for different for for more options as to how to vend their beer. So I think uh, I think I think. Minnesota laws have been have been really advancing in the past uh, the, the past well, many years I guess since uh, Mark started up Summit back in, in the nineteen eighties you know he created he he uh, created the hole in the brick wall uh, where the rest of us have been able to pass through that so he truly is one of the pioneers of brewing here uh, Omar up at Surly has done a lot to advance the laws of uh, of Minnesota with the Surly Na- through Surly Nation and um, so there have been. And, and those are just two of many brewers here who have really helped to to, to um, uh, promote a rise of craft beer here in Minnesota. So there, craft beer has come a long way here in our state. The laws have come a long way. They're, 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 every year there are new laws that, that, that help to promote the industry. So it's really been, as far as we're concerned, a good state to do business in. And, and, um, and yes, the laws are different here than they are across the river in Wisconsin. Um, but uh, but it seems that with each le- le- uh, legislative session that, the, the, that those laws are continuing advancing, and, uh, and it's nice to see. They well, just need to get the liquor stores open on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> well, there there are a lot of perspectives on that, and uh, you know, for us, um, we for us, uh, you know, we can see it from from both sides, and you know, there are some valid points. Uh, the small, that some of the smaller guys have for not wanting to be open on Sundays. Um, I, you know, I guess there again, there are arguments on both sides of that. For us, really, uh, now that the growler laws have passed, we're we're pretty happy. You're, you're happy. Yeah. That was that was the big thing for us, and and uh, and what actually the way I see it, and I think the way other uh, some others in the state see it is that um, with Minnesota's current laws, uh, if people want to buy wine or beer on a Sunday, they and they want to do it in Minnesota, they have to go to a local manufacturer, yeah. so really, it, it, it helps to promote local manufacturers, it helps to promote the local economy. True. So I think, I think uh, so far, it's been a winning situation for everybody involved. Yeah. Yeah, I
0: guess I didn't think about that, and I suppose, you know, across the border, like the NOVA and stuff, they're, they're happy that <laughs> you know, the Minnesota is still heading over there, so...
3: Yeah, you know, there. I mean, I guess uh, in, in cities like Red Wing and and uh, and in and Stillwater, you know, there there are venues. That, you know, if you're in Starbucks, Minnesota, kind of in, in the middle of the state, yeah, it's,
0: then it's a little rough. Uh,
3: yeah, they might um, they might have some different ideas. on Or that, if there's but...
0: a you know, like and there's no breweries around either in the middle of the state, then mm-hmm. where are you gonna get your
3: Although with the growth of, uh, of, the, of the beer industry in Minnesota... It's not
0: going to be long until it, it, there's one in every town.
3: Exactly. Kind of the way it was before Prohibition. Yeah. You know, there was a brewery in every town, it seemed, and, and, uh, and that seems to be the way things are moving right now. So so with Minnesota's current beer laws, it, uh, it encourages people to, to support their, their local manufacturers, which I, I think is a, um, is, is a great place to be.
0: Well, and uh, with your setup, you can bring in guest taps and kind of support other breweries that way. Um, how has, how have uh, like relationships formed
3: that way? The the other craft brewers in Minnesota are wonderful. Um, we, we've been very pleased to be a part of the Minnesota Brewers Guild and to, to get to know everybody else who's in the industry here, uh, the members of the guild. It's um, It's really, at this point, been a very supportive industry. We've, when we were starting, and starting to formulate our, um, our business plan, we made it a point to talk to as many brewers as we could, um, both in-state and out-of-state. But what we found is that in general, uh, the, those who are already in the business were more than happy to share their experiences with us and, uh, and to, to tell us their story. And for us, that was invaluable in being able to, to formulate our own thoughts as to how to, how to create this, uh, this business here in Red Wing. So uh, it's, when 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 the brewers of Minnesota get together, and I think this is similar and in, and in, in, in all across the United States. But um, but when brewers get together, it's kind of like a um, uh, uh, it's it's just it's as fun. It feels like family coming together, and and it, it helps you to realize that uh, you're you're not the only ones you know out there. There are other people out there in the industry that that, that are you know. Um, um, the, that's it's fun to bounce questions off of, kind of, you know, see where everybody's at and, 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 and uh, share some stories with, have a, have a pint with, you know, it's... It, 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 it's uh, I guess to me it feels kind of like a big family reunion every time we have a guild <laughs> meeting. <laughs> and, uh, and that's kind of a... that's a, that's a nice... Industry. that's a nice state of the industry. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why the brewing industry has been so appealing to many people because as of right now there doesn't seem to yet be this dog-eat-dog and, feel to it that, they're, that, they're, that, that may exist in other industries. Right now, it's, it's still a camar- uh, a big camaraderie. And a lot of people have asked, too, if, if, if uh, that may change with more breweries on the scene. I guess my thought is that right now, craft beer makes up less than 20% of the overall market, the beer market, and when you consider that there's still 80, 80% plus of the, of the market yet to be explored, I think that still leaves room for for, for, growth in this industry. So right now, uh, right now it, it seems that the more breweries there are, the more of an attraction it is for people. And, uh, and, and you see that in, especially in neighborhoods like Northeast Minneapolis, Northeast, where, where, um, there, there are lots of little breweries there. And so people like to just go and explore and check, check them all out. And and there are brewery, uh, brewery tours that are focused around, um, uh, clustered breweries and, uh, around the state. So it it's it seems to me right now to be a very healthy industry and and, and um, we're very very proud to be a part of that.
0: Yeah. So um, I guess getting back to I guess your, your brewery here. What uh like so you're using a 6 6 barrel system right now,
3: correct? Mm-hmm.
0: What's your capacity like how many barrels are you doing a year right now?
3: We right now we're, we're producing 6 barrels a year. We can, uh, actually a little bit more than that now, um, we started with six, uh, I'm sorry, six barrels a week. Uh, we started, like, really? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're not that nano. <laughs> uh, there are some nano breweries that probably are doing that uh, somewhere in that neighborhood. We, sure but, uh, <laughs> we just brew once. So gonna... <laughs> <laughs> if there is a will, there's a way, but no, we're, we're doing about six barrels per week right now, okay. um, and, and, and actually probably a little bit over that. We can brew up to 12 barrels before we finally have to move and, and do bigger okay. facility but for a city the size of Red Wing that's a good a yeah. good production level and uh, we talked to brewers and other cities uh, around the Midwest similar size cities as Red Wing and they said well you, you know six barrels is a good starting place you can expect about a barrel a, a week um, uh, growth in terms of production and so and that's been very true for okay. us so our business plan so far has been um, pretty spot-on with what what, what, we're, what we anticipated um, what amazed me is when we went up to see uh, Omar's new facility up there at, at, uh, oh, at Surly. Man. Todd, uh, Omar's head brewer Todd, can brew in one fermenter more than what we do per year. <laughs> <laughs> but you know those guys have earned it. They put out a, a consistently solid product. They've um, they've they've uh, uh, you know they they they've definitely earned where they are right now. Yeah. And uh, and so and. And so I think their destination brewery has truly been earned, and, and it really is an amazing place when you go up and see that. And, and you know, it's, it's really those guys are living the American dream, and, and they should be because, uh, again, they've, they've worked hard to get yeah. there. Um, so for us, you know, the, the, that are brewing on a much smaller scale, it's very inspirational to see. To see those those folks and, and to hear the stories like you know the guys at Fulton that are expanding into uh, into their new production facility and um, you know I, I mean I could go on and on about the breweries they're expanding right yeah. now you know uh, with bent paddle up in Duluth and you know and, and uh, it's it's fun to see that so uh, so for us right now six barrels a week is what we're doing um, six barrels plus per week it's a good fit for where we are We've got an allowance for growth here before we ultimately have to start thinking about a bigger facility, um, but it, you know, that's, for a city the, si- the size of where we are, 60,000 people, it's, it's been a good place to begin. And, and, uh, and
0: people can only get the beer here, so.
3: Exactly. Yeah. Don't worry about
0: trying to keep accounts open.
3: Yeah, if, if we were, if Minnesota laws were such that we were trying to, to put our beers out in liquor stores and restaurants, we would definitely have to be brewing a lot more at this point in our existence. And, um, uh, but, but again, being that the laws are what they are, um, you know, we're, that seems to be a comfortable, comfortable fit right now. Again, we, we are starting to feel a little stretch at the seams, you know, we know that we're, we're, we're needing to, to keep the taps flowing here. And, um. And so we're, uh, uh, you know, we're doing our best to keep up with that. But so far, so good. Okay. You know, one of the nice things about being a brew pub and not having your beer distributed, though, is it, it, is it does create a destination for people. You know, to get Red Wing beer, people have to come here. And while they're here, we invite them to check out other great places around, around Red Wing as well. Cool.
0: Um, so when you're, when you're brewing beers, like you have a Kolsch, which takes a little bit longer. you, you got to do like a lagering stuff. Um, stage and all that. Are you worried about like running out of fermenter space at all? Or are you guys pretty good on that?
3: Fermenters are the bottleneck of uh, the production process, and that's why when you usually one of the first steps of, of a growing brewery is to invest in either bigger fermenters or more fermenters. And, uh, and so that's always a, a thought, you know. I mean, when you are when bring a batch of beer. You're going to lock up those fermenters with, with you know as, as the as the yeast is working its magic, and so um, so that's typically where you tend to to, to expand first okay. through your ferment you know through how much fermentation space you have. Right now we've got four six barrel fermenters. It works well for what we do currently. I could see down the line here, especially in the next few years, where that's going to start to be. Push our limits a bit, um, so that's when we're going to have to to look at options. Um, you know, we we love our little place right now. We've got great neighbors. Um, I think as we look down the road, you know, we, we might have to look at, at uh, uh, facilities, possibly one that's just you know somewhere currently near near our, our present location. But the the space is going to be. Um, the first thing to address, yeah. and uh, and you know, but we're also seeing that with our with our kitchen too. You know, we we right now gotten to the point on a on Fridays and Saturdays where we got a packed house, and and we'll have up to an hour to an hour and a half wait, um, oh, wow. for uh, uh, you know, for, for seating here on those days. So that's another thing that we'd would be looking to address as well down the line. But again, right now we're we're still new enough where people are still discovering us, and. Um, been steadily growing over the past 3 years but but we we, we still don't want to we don't want to lose our identity while we're yeah, trying to create yeah. it. <laughs> so will uh, I although I have to admit even even at this point I'm already saving materials for a second version of the business plan, you know, for round <laughs> 2 because um, the, the, Every time we get a publication or see new statistics um, uh, published uh, about the industry, I always hold on to those because um, I, I, I see those as being uh, valuable resources for for the second draft of yeah. our of our plan, it's the expansion draft, I guess you could say.
0: So, um, are you guys using jacketed fermenters, or do you have like a fermentation room?
3: Um, well, there our brew house. This is it right over here. It's a twelve okay. by twenty foot room. We do have jacketed fermenters. All right. Um, so you can keep them at different uh, temps than. Yes. Not worry about. Right. Okay. Yeah. The 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 danger with unless you have a specific room set aside for your fermentation, uh, your your fermenters for your fermentation, um, where you can temperature control the entire room. Yep. You you really have to um, you really have to, in my opinion, have jacketed fermenters because. Otherwise, you, you you don't have control over that the the over the the, the, um, uh, the yeast. Yep. And uh, the one thing that you don't want to do is to to raise the temperature of your beer while it's fermenting to the point where your yeast is stressed, because then you start to get some really interesting flavors that. that Come out through the I mean, final not product. Not really <laughs> you know, much much like people. You know, when it gets hot outside, we get stressed, and and, uh, and, and yeast is the same way. They, they tend, you know, there are favorable conditions for um, for certain yeast strains to, to, to work their best, and uh, and so having control over that ultimately is, is means having control over the, the final flavor of your beer. Um, I for anybody getting into the industry. I would recommend looking at jacketed tanks whenever possible. I know from our own standpoint there's that that you know, you've got to weigh the cost versus the uh, you know the versus the, the the lesser costs of non-jacketed tanks, but ultimately your beer is the beer that you put on your market is is, is, is that's that's a statement about who you are and you've got to start off with quality beer otherwise you're not there, there's too many good breweries right now in the in the industry in Minnesota to not put quality beer on the market right away you've got to make a a name for yourself from the get-go Otherwise I mean people will stop going to a brewery
0: that they're like I don't really it's nothing great so
3: yep they will you know most people most people um, realize that there's a, a, a strong presence of beer on the market I mean if you look at Growler Magazine, which, by the way, is, is, a, is an excellent publication here oh, in, in Minnesota, it's a wonderful <laughs> magazine. Um, they have the, the, the folks at, at Growler Magazine have done so much to promote the industry, and it's it's a well-written, wonderful articles. And one of my favorite sections of that magazine is Now Open or Damn Close, where they yep. feature breweries that are that are um, have just opened recently or are on the verge of of, uh, of that threshold. And, uh, and, and Growler Magazine used to be published every other month. Now it's published monthly. And every every issue features at least two, three, four new breweries. So it is a, is a rapidly expanding industry. And people know that. And people see these new breweries. And if you don't come out swinging with a, with a good product right away, People will pass you by and move on to the next good product because there are again a lot of wonderful breweries here in Minnesota and in our in the Midwest.
0: Right, cool. Well, um, I think we've taken up enough of your time today. I really appreciate it, uh, letting us come down here and talk to you like this.
3: Um, well, it's it's been our pleasure to to have you here, and we we appreciate you. Uh, um, your, your dedication to the craft beer industry. Right, um,
0: I guess, is, is there anything... Uh, where can people find like Red Wing, um, uh, Red Wing Brewing online and stuff like that? Do you guys have a Facebook page? Any social
3: media? We do. Yep. Our, our Facebook page is Red Wing Brewery. And, uh, so it's easy to find. We have a website, redwingbrewing.com And uh, for, for people... Uh, we, we aren't... Uh, sad to say I'm not as... Um, uh, uh, I'm 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 a bit inept when it comes to social media. I, I would like to say that I'm a lot better at that than than, than I am. So. You spend all your time on beer, so we <laughs> Completely forgive you. Well, we don't even have Twitter right now, which I I, uh, I like. I said I'm almost embarrassed to say that because uh, those are are great venues, uh, and, and well-used venues for for people to share their story and to share their products. Um, I, I you know I I know a lot of people are, are very. Uh, uh, very skilled at uh, you know uh, instant twidoodling, but we are not. So, we're <laughs> uh, but um, uh, but but people have still found us, and they they found us either through the web or through or through Facebook or um, I tell you one thing that can't be denied is the power of word of word of mouth. Yeah. Um, even with the 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 power of social media and the, uh, the, the magic of, of YouTube and, and, uh, and all that's out there. Um, and, and I'm a big fan, of, I am a big fan of social media. I, I enjoy using it. I need to become more proficient at it myself. But, um, but, uh, but we are still amazed at how many people come in because somebody told them they have to come try the pizza, they have to come try the beer, they have to come to Red Wing Brewery. That, uh, even, even with today's... Um, today's uh, electronic media you still can't underestimate the power of old, good old fashioned word of mouth yep. and uh, I know that I do that when I find a place that I like I love to spread the word yeah. and, uh, and, and, and it's apparent through the visitors that we've had that that uh, people have been doing that about us which we greatly appreciate but we're right down here again on, on the, um, uh, the, the old west end of main street here and, uh, and just Start follow the right construction, and when it starts to taper off, you get off there. <laughs> <laughs> that you know, a lot of people have been worried about the construction here, and then wondering if that would affect uh, would affect the city overall. I think a lot of businesses have weathered through very well. Really, the construction team have, has been wonderful. It's it's a major project. They've been replacing century-old sewer pipe under the city, uh, under the old Main Street, and the old clay clay piping that was laid down when when Red Wing was built. Uh, that's all being changed now for uh, a more modern version. But the construction crews have been very good about keeping everybody up to date about the changes. The Chamber of Commerce here in Red Wing has been wonderful about uh, about continuing to promote the city. The, um, uh, the, the 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 city itself, the city officials have been great about promoting uh, Red Wing. Um, Red Wing Downtown Main Street has come up with activities uh, to to um, uh, in events here in Red Wing to uh, to uh, keep it a very busy town. So there's still you know, a lot of people say well Red Wing isn't closed you know, the construction crews have been doing a wonderful job keeping everything, um, everything moving and, uh, and people have still found a way to get to Red Wing you know, it's, it's, uh, if there's a will there's a way yep. and, uh, and, and I'll tell you if I'm going to, a, to another location and I'm looking for a brewery a little construction won't stop me I will go Not find that brewery <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think that's been the case here in Red Wing too alright
0: well yeah thank you again Really well, appreciate
3: thank it. you for uh, for um, for thank you for allowing us to be on your show. We're we very uh, appreciative of that.
1: What
0: an interview! That was great. Woohoo! <laughs> it's always weird, like when we do these cut together things. Because we're not going to sit here and we're going to re-listen to the interview for an hour. We'll well, Miles was probably
1: sad. Oh, yeah. It's probably confusing any for any live yeah, listeners. Yeah, no. Live,
0: live listeners, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. You, you will have to download the the uh, the audio version. You'll get it uh, in just a few minutes uh, after we wrap up here.
1: But, yeah, it was really cool. How they just let us wander around the entire place. He's like, yeah, just go shoot wherever. And wherever, yeah. just. I was hanging out behind the bar. Don't touch like, the hot things. Don't touch hot okay. things and you'll be okay. He even made us coffee and it was delicious.
0: Oh. Yeah, they use their own blend. Yep. Uh it was by a roaster in town, right?
1: Mhm. Breads from the bakery in town, coffee from a roaster uh, and in town. It's all, I, all I the PC stuff. ingredients, local ingredients. Mm-hmm.
0: I think my favorite thing was just how excited uh both Scott and Norm were yeah. about the history of Red Wing, um, the current state of things in Red Wing, how things are you know, kinda of getting rejuvenated also and how
1: people are just excited about Red Wing Brewery, yeah,
0: no, and they're yeah, they're they're just very passionate people, <laughs> and talking to passionate people is always fun. Ah, uh, we should have gotten a Red Wing sticker for our kegerator. Oh, jeez, uh, that means we have to go back and eat pizza. Oh no, no. pizza! No. Darn it! Oh
1: jeez, the worst. <laughs> All
0: right, guys, uh, I just want to take a minute and thank our patrons again because I forgot to do at the top of the show, uh, especially our black belt patron Zach Zabloski. We spent all weekend with him, uh, drinking beer and uh, making him start fires with a uh, uh, without matches. Uh, what we use uh, flint and steel. We made him start a fire. Did with he flint actually and steel. start with flint? And no, steel? no, he didn't. He couldn't figure out how to make the flint and steel work. Yeah, that actually was kind of funny. Wait, a flint and steel? It's but it's so simple. It's a flint and steel. Yeah.
1: He was he was poking at, like if this he was poking at it like this when you're supposed to be going like this
0: yeah
2: well, you're it's like,
1: like he's like, he not he was, working like, he was
0: doing like really short like long drags all you have to do is like maybe watch some TV shows so you know how I know don't worry Carlos you get to do it next year um <laughs> I don't know <laughs> <It's> the, <laughs> I don't the know initiation
2: if I process sp- I don't know if I could go that many days of camping oh it's easy maybe one day of camping but
1: you just get smelly that's the only problem
2: yeah. You just get stanky. Yeah, I don't want to go several
1: days like that. I just want one. Well, day. then you bring quarters to use the shower, okay?
2: Yeah, Carlos,
0: You go stay at the hotel in town.
2: No, yeah, Xbox. that
1: works.
0: Not a thing I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, yeah. So if you want, if you'd like to become a patron, head on over to patreoncom studios and become a patron today. If you're going to do any Amazon shopping, uh, click on the Amazon link at the bottom of our homepage. Do your Amazon shopping as normal, and we get a bit back from Amazon for sending you there. Uh, or if you'd like a t-shirt, head on over to store.blindnessstudios.com or click on the store link at the top of our homepage and buy a t-shirt today. If you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, I should be playing outro music. Yeah, I know. It's okay. What Just in the world? Going. No, we're going to play outro music. It's ruined already. It's already ruined. There well, I forgot I was outroing, and then I don't have that set up because i got to do a whole thing over here. Don't worry about it. Anyway, so if you guys have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at BlenderStudios.com, or you can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BlenderStudios, or you can follow us on Twitter at Blender ninja. Also, I'd like to give another shout-out to uh, Scott and Norm at uh, Red Wing Brewery for just being so kind and awesome and allowing us to sit there and take up an hour or so of their time. That was awesome of you guys. You guys are the best. And if you are in the, I guess Twin Cities area, ever, and you have a, you know an afternoon to kill, head down and check it out. Uh, not walk only that, the streets. Everything. Yeah, um, hit Red Wing Brewery, get uh, get a pizza and a nice buzz on, and then walk downtown. Uh, go check out all the small shops.
1: The little knickknacks everywhere. The Oofta shop.
0: Go see the giant shoe. The giant what? shoe? Have you seen the giant I shoe? Oh uh, if actually. you go to the, the Red Wing uh, shoes outlet, they have a giant shoe. Hmm. And it's made out of leather and everything. It's very exciting. That is And you know, the if they're
2: gonna be in the Twin Cities area next uh, next Saturday, where are is the Blended Studios crew gonna be on Saturday? Oh, we're going to the
0: Renaissance Festival yeah. next Saturday. Yep. So-, so we'll talk about we'll do a we'll do a debrief on that. Yeah. Maybe maybe try to shoot out a patron cast out there. That'd be kind of fun. That
1: would be fun.
2: Yeah. And maybe if we stop at the uh, Euros place, I'm not going to end up with some sort of horrible vegetarian
1: food.
0: Carlos, that happened one time. It was the worst. Carlos, all you did was get falafel. It was the worst. Falafel's really good. I know. It was disgusting. How can you eat
2: something that's not meat? You're just crazy, man. You just you eat it. The same way you
1: eat mouth. candy. You just eat it. Yeah. It's,
0: it's not the same at all. Candy's not meat. Yeah. Well, I, I know that. I know that candy's not good. <laughs> yeah, but you've had entire meals consisting of just candy.
2: I can't say no to that. <laughs> <laughs> and who knows if Slim Jims are really meat? Now, is it really a meal if it's candy?
0: <laughs> is it the only thing you ate that day? I'm sure if have had other things that they'll say. Is. <laughs> I think yes. If that's your primary source of sustenance for the day, that is can or that is a meal. It's not really sustenance. Let's be honest here. All right, guys. Well, uh, that's it for our show today. I really hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll see you next week.